Welcome in to 241 Drafts, the Monday edition of 241 Drafts. We're doing a ton of podcasts this week, Mike. It's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. I might come over at Sunday night just to see how you're doing. It's going to be a loaded week. It's draft week, baby. I know. I am. Dude, I live for this shit. I love it. I woke up this morning <laughs> feeling good, a little pep in my step. I mean, I, I ordered um, smelling salts on Amazon. I also got bagged iced coffee. I'm going to be slapping the bag, smelling salts all week. It's just going to be Adam Gase's not even, heaven. You're not even joking. You did order. You actually I did. Ordered smelling salts. I do have them. I do. Have, I might do it on the live show. Make sure if you are listening to the podcast right now, make sure you listen to PFF's 2020 NFL Draft live show for round one. And day two. So day one and day two are going to be live on YouTube and Twitter. We're also going to be streamed live on Sirius, I believe. You, you pretty much go anywhere. You're going to find our live content with the free phone. I might do Smelling Salts live on the air. But for this podcast, we are going to preview all 16 AFC teams. We're going to look at the picks they have. We're going to look at prospects they should target with those picks, trade scenarios, all that stuff, roster weaknesses, needs, all of that for every AFC team. Tomorrow, the Tuesday podcast will be every NFC team. Wednesday, mailbag podcast send in your questions to austin.gale at pff.com or tag mike or myself on twitter with a question we're going to try and compile those all together for a wednesday mailbag pod we're going to answer as many as we can with that being said we are still doing the edge monthly giveaway i think i'm going to give here's what i mike this is what i decided Mm -hmm. i'm going to give away for every for all the entries, when they when it ends, on, we're going to start giving them away on Wednesday. Wednesday, we will start giving away the Edge monthly subscriptions. I'm going to give 20% of total entries. So regardless of that, if you guys send in 500, I'm going to give 20% of 500. We are going to give that away, that many Edge monthly subscriptions. So please leave a review with your favorite prospect's name and send a screenshot to my email at austin.gale at pff.com. You do that, you enter the contest, and I'm going to give 20% of all entries and Edge monthly subscription. All right, let's get to the podcast, Mike starting with the AFC East, starting specifically with the New England Patriots. This is an interesting draft. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they do, but he's not great. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how they fill needs and really attack this draft. Do they tank for Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields? Do they try and trade up for Tua? There's some rumors there. What do you think they're going to do here, uh, Mike? Yeah, it's so much different. It feels so different than every draft for the past 20 years, you know, in New England. It feels new and odd but I almost feel like they're just gonna stand pad at 23 or maybe even trade down and like grab a defensive tackle or a safety or something have like a very uneventful draft for like all the hoopla surrounding the quarterback position there they're just gonna be you know business as usual go about trade back get picks the Patriot way sort of draft I think yeah, I, I don't see them going all the way up for a quarterback, especially because, like, I mean, this roster is not good. And, and like, just because you're trading up for a quarterback, say you trade up for two and my low, it doesn't mean he's going to be Tom Brady. You know, it's, it's still a risk that every team has been in for the last 20 years just because they've been so lucky to have the quarterback position solved for the past decade plus. Doesn't mean if they do trade up and grab a quarterback, he's going to be able to fill that roster enough to make it competitive. I think there's a ton of needs offensively at wide receiver, even though they did draft Nikhil Harry in the first round a year ago, there's a ton of needs defensively. I think the pass rush could get better. I I just don't think this roster is all that great. That's the thing. Like you look at, so we have in the draft guys following along, we have those color coded depth charts that show or starting lineups, color coded starting lineups that show, you know, our projection of how they are set at each position going forward. And they don't have a single guy above average right now in their front seven linebackers, defensive, you know, defensive tackles, edge defenders. They really are kind of behind the eight ball in terms of like those guys up front. They don't have a lot of talent there and they're aging at a lot of positions. The position they're strongest at in the secondary. I mean, the McCordy's are over 30 years old. Gilmore's getting up there. Like none of those guys are getting better necessarily at this point outside of JC Jackson. So Really, I'm not sure there's a position group that's necessarily off the table entirely heading into this first round. Yeah, I mean, I love their secondary. It's older. I mean, Stefan Gilmore, obviously older, Jason McCourty, but I like JC Jackson, Deb McCourty, Patrick Chung. I think it's what scares me is the trenches. I mean, yeah, I, we, we were big fans of Chase Winovich coming out. I think he takes a second year step forward. But John Simon, Bo Allen, Lawrence Guy, these aren't these aren't premier pass rushing talents you need to really threaten opposing offensive lines. That scares me. Obviously, the wide receiving core scares me. I think the offensive line could use some help, too. Let's start with pick 23. If they stay put at 23, who are some names that you think they need to go after at 23? Yeah, I think there's a number of guys I'd be happy with if I were there. Patrick Queen at linebacker would make a lot of sense for them at pick 23. 
I think even like wide receiver, obviously they went there last year in the first round. That's a sunk cost fallacy to not go back there because it's still a big need. Um, to new, you have too many of the guys who are like all the same type of wide receiver. I think Jalen Rager would make a lot of sense and bring something different to the table in New England that they really don't have at the moment. So I don't know. Like I said, they could go anywhere in my upcoming mm-hmm. mock draft, a little preview of who I got them going. I got them going Josh Uchi from Michigan in the first round trading back to, to still get him. But I do think nice. like I said, anyone's kind of on the table here for the Pats. Yeah, I tweeted out recently. I mean, I watched all of Josh Ushi versus Tristan Wirth. So I was doing like matchup scouting all day yesterday. I don't know why. I was just like watching like offensive tackle matchups with good edge defenders. I was very impressed with what Uchi was able to do against Wirth. He didn't win a ton, but it's not a like, you know, it's a how many could you kind of beat with Wirth. And I think Josh Uchi, if he tested, I think would be getting more first round hype because like he does show he's got speed to power. He's got good athleticism. And I think he can do a lot of the things like in a Brian Flores, you know, Patriot style scheme could do really well. It's interesting. You have going at the back end of the first, what about Jordan love at 23 you have here in the draft guide, an early target at quarterback, maybe Jordan love at 23. What's your opinion of that? See, I love that fit because oh, do you love a, that fit? Jeez, my jeez. I am. Oh, God damn. I can't think of a different way to say it. I, I enjoy that fit. <laughs> because Jordan Love is a crash, like he's a the, the high risk, high reward type kind of guy. Like if you do throw him out there for 16 games as a rookie, you could go two and 14. Like you, you it could be awful. Like you could have a Deshaun Kaiser esque rookie year where just nothing's good. Good happens, and then that's good. Then you get then you get in position to draft quarterback, or he could you know hit and develop into the Patrick Mahomes that everyone loves to compare him to, uh, and that his quarterbacks coach is making the comparison to, so he gets paid more. Um, I, I, I don't see it though. I mean, we obviously don't see it, but, uh, if he does hit that at that, then, well, you got yourself Patrick Mahomes. So I don't hate that pick. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, probably wouldn't go quarterback though in the first round for them. Yeah. All right. Let's move before we move to the next team here. Let's talk about their three third round picks, 87, 98 and 100. I think they have an opportunity in this draft to fill some positions of need, at least some depth players in that range. Are there some like steals, some gems the Patriots could target in that range? Yeah. So even without a second round pick, because all those thirds, the compensatories, they're still 16th in terms of total draft capital in this draft. So they can actually make an impact here with all those guys. I think tight end is that's when it starts to make sense to pick a tight end in this draft. Someone like a Adam Troutman. Uh, I think Cole Komet will be off the board. He would fit for them, but Adam Troutman, uh, I'm not even sure who in that range after Troutman would make sense. Like maybe Hunter Bryant, if they want to go Aaron Hernandez style tight end in that offense again. But yeah, I think that is a possibility for them in that range. Uh, again, they have a ton of, ton of holes though, that anywhere is on the table. Yeah. I mean, looking at the draft, uh, the draft board on PFF.com, I, I like the idea of them getting, you know, Travis Gibson, the Tulsa edge defender. I think that would be a nice little fit for them. Maybe James Lynch of Baylor, Cole Komet, someone you mentioned, John Reed. And I, I would not be surprised if the Patriots continue to throw draft resource in the secondary, even though that's like easily their best, you know, best part of their, you know, their team mm-hmm. right now. I could see them adding John Reed of Penn State in the back end of the third, Josiah Scott, Michigan State, Kenny Robinson. Like there's some names there too, where you just wouldn't be surprised Bill Belichick continue to you know invest in the secondary. All right, we're moving off the New England Patriots. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills. They do not have a first round. Oh no, yeah, they do not have a first round pick because they traded for Stefan Diggs. How do they attack day two? They so the, the Bills of any team right now almost have the most complete roster in the NFL. Like you look up and down, the guys that are listed as you know below average or whatever right now on their starting lineup are guys they all just drafted recently, like young guys that are still developing or guys they just paid a lot of money into in free agency. So they're not like necessarily going to replace guys like Starla Tulele, uh, you know, Josh Norman listed as below average right now, but they just paid them. So uh, they don't have a ton of like holes to fill. If there were, if there was like one spot, I'd say I'd want them to draft. It's cornerback. We've kept saying that Cameron Dantzler, Mississippi State cornerback, is a great fit for them. Also, like Michael Ojemudie as a fit for them. We talk about Iowa. You know, their zone defenders being very good. That's what the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, what they run. So I, I think a cornerback in round two, they have pick fifty-four, would would be the sort of most bang for your buck position that they could hit with that pick. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I also see in the draft guide here, you have Damian Lewis highlighted as a potential option for them along the interior offensive line, maybe at pick 54 or even 86. They do have pick 86 Mm. in the third round, like bringing in Damian. He's one of my favorites. I went back and watched the Derek Brown versus Damian Lewis game. And there's a couple of reps where like Damian Lewis gets dogged a bit, but also like he stands stands his ground for a lot of those reps too. Like, again, you have to be impressed with Damian Lewis and just – his ability to not get beat from the bull rush. Like the dude's just a brick house. And I think Damian Lewis is another guy I like for that bills team. All right. Looking at this roster though, like I'm, I'm glad you speak to the complete roster, but do they add a late round quarterback? I don't know. Mike, am I, am I being aggressive there that maybe take advantage of what I think there are some gems on fourth, fifth round. You can bring in the quarterback position. I just don't, they're not going to there's, they are sold no matter what we say about Josh Allen and his performance of late, they are sold on Josh Allen. So we can mock quarterbacks them all they want. I don't think they're picking one anytime soon. And if yeah. they do, I do think Cole McDonald would be an interesting guy to throw in the yes. mix there yes. because he's like a size speed clone of Josh Allen and like way, even maybe more of a roller coaster than Josh Allen, which I'm not sure is possible. But if you watch Cole McDonald in Hawaii at all, it, it's a roller coaster. It just he throw he's throwing it up for grabs a good majority of the game. So I think that would be a fun one if they are going to go quarterback. Yeah, looking at you know pick you know on the PFF big board uh, numbers fifty through sixty. I think some names that stand out to me are like Terrell Burgess, Kayvon Wallace. They want to get better at slot cornerback. Troy Pride Jr. I also don't hate Daryl Taylor, the Tennessee edge defender. Yes, they have Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy, but both of those guys are on on the older side and also not super productive. I think getting younger at that position could be beneficial for the. Buffalo Bills. Moving forward in the AFC East, we have to bring up the New York Jets. They pick at 11 in this draft. Where do we have to? We do. We we do. We do. Okay. Yeah, you're right. We do. In honor of Adam Gase and his pregame smelling salts, we have to. With the New York Jets that pick 11, everyone's been saying offensive tackle or wide receiver. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah. And it's because the value. It's not just that that's what they need. It's that that's where the class is strongest. And so if you went elsewhere, you know, edge defender, drafting Caleb on chase or something, you're just not going to be, you're wasting the 11th overall pick in terms of like the value you can get on your return there. So I think one of the tackles will fall to them in my mock. I kind of have the tackles like coming off the board in the early team. Good Lord. You're right. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. I have the tackles coming off the board in like the early teens choking over here on nothing on air. Um, but so I do think one of them makes it to 11 to them. And if not, well, I mean, you get a Jerry Judy or a CD lamb. That's not too bad of a consolation prize either. I'd say that's where I stand too. It's like, I don't think some have you know highlighted the jets as an opportunity to maybe trade down. I think they stay put, like you're going to get one of the top three offensive tackles or one of the top three wide receivers at 11. And that, that, that's, that's where the, the draft class is at its best. So you could get one of the best players at the positions of need that also fit the draft classes like strengths. So I, I think they stay put at 11, maybe bring in Jerry Judy, CD lamb, or at offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills. I mean, they're just in a really, really good spot to take advantage of that 11th pick Phil need, and also add one of the better players in the draft moving forward to day two. They have a good amount of picks on day two, some good capital. They rank 11th in draft capital rank. According to PFF's draft guide, pick 48 in the second round. Pick 68 and 79 in the third round. Who are some names that make sense in the you know on day two for the Jets? Yeah, I, I think wide receivers where then day two, they gotta address it if you are somewhere in the second and third round. I think Van Jefferson from Florida, I have in the guide as a guy who's just a good route runner, a guy you can trust, you know, sort of a guy that you want to know he's going to be in the right place at the right time for a guy for Sam Darnold. Cause I just don't think he had a lot of talent that he trusted there this past season at the wide receiver. So not Jameson Crowder. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's just a lot of guys. They just yeah. got some straight up Jags on that receiving core, unfortunately. So that's why they, I think they will address that. Um, again, anywhere kind of defensively, they probably could hit but at the cornerback position. I don't think Pierre Desir is really doing it for me at this point. So, uh, obviously just don't trade Jamal Adams. The thing here to not, (laughs) to not trade Jamal Adams. Like that's the not reporting, like get an extension or a deal done. He is too big of an impact player. He's their only real impact player at this point on that roster. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of them going cornerback either in round two or round three. I think there are going to be some names there that fall to them that could that, that would make a ton of sense for the team. And as for wide receiver, like if they don't go wide receiver 
in round one and they wait to pick 48 to address that. I just don't think they're going to get a true number one tight that really complements this, you know, like you said, a crew of Jags with Brashad, <laughs> Quincy Anunua, and Jamison Crowder. Like they need someone to come in there and demand the football. Like they, See, I don't go ahead. See, I'd love to go wide receiver, but like the thing, so if you look in the draft guide and the draft capital allocation, we had, this was a new addition this year in terms of, so over the past five years, we have how much the picks were worth that you invested in each position group and their lowest position group that they invested in was interior offensive line, second lowest running back, third lowest cornerback, and then fourth lowest is offensive tackle. They've invested 2.43 wins above replacement into their defensive interior, which is akin to the number one overall pick and the number three overall pick together. So that's how much they've thrown at defensive tackle over the past five years and just Man. ignored their line, the like interior off the line and off its tackle. So that's why I just think they have not addressed it whatsoever. This is the year they finally start saying, Oh, that's why we suck along our offensive line. So I think they're going to throw a ton of resources at it. Joe Douglas, the GM now uh, realizes that that's, you can't be as bad as they were last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it though, like they say they grab Andrew Thomas at 11 and then come back at 48, trying to add to this receiving core. Maybe it's like a Van Jefferson, but like, again, you're just not going to find a receiver. That's really going to elevate Sam yeah. Darnold's game. I think regardless of where they go at 11, Sam Darnold's in a bad spot. Cause if they go wide receiver, say they grab CD lamb or something that can really dominate and, and demand the football. He's got Alex Lewis, George Fant, Chuma Doga start on the offensive line. And like, it's just not going to work out. Like this is a very bad roster to be developing a young quarterback. Very unfortunate. Regardless, do not trade Jamal Adams for more draft capital because he's easily the best player on that roster. And I, you saw the reports today from Ian Rapport that, that the Jets want to talk to Jamal Adams after the draft and work on contract negotiations, work on a contract extension. So I don't know if he's going to get traded day one, or maybe that's smoke. Maybe they're trying to increase his trade value because they're locked in. I don't know. Regardless, this Jets team is in a bad place and no one pick or even the, the slew of picks they have on day two is really going to take them to the next level and really help Sam Darnold all that much. All right, moving to the Miami Dolphins. This is probably one of the more interesting, you know, teams in this draft because they have just so much capital. Three first round picks and a very bad roster, I feel like has every fan base or every Dolphins fan really excited about this draft. Yeah, and then two more within the next, you know, in the top 56 in the second round. Like they got a ton and can do a lot of different things. They have keep six saying top 70 picks. Six. That's yeah. absurd. Like they, they can really, really improve this roster. And I just have the sneaking suspicion that they're going to be going Justin Herbert when it's all said and done. And I, it scares, it, it scares me, but I just think he's, that's where he goes. Like you wouldn't have any smoke around like you, the, the fact that there's a connection between them at all is crazy to me because uh, unless it was real, like there, because there, there's no smokescreen by saying we want Herbert, because the it seems like the Chargers definitely don't want Herbert. So I, I don't, uh, I don't think that's what you would put out there if you were trying to like throw them off the scent. If you're the Miami Dolphins and trying to get better trade value, so I don't know. I, I don't know where they go if they don't go Herbert, but I just hope they don't go Herbert. <laughs> I, I've been more and more a fan as I kind of see as this draft continues and we get closer to the draft. Don't say of Justin Herbert. No, 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 no. Okay. Of the Miami Dolphins passing on quarterback altogether. Cause Me think too. about, so, so say, say they go Justin Herbert at five and then at 18, they add, let's say Josh Jones, try and beef up the offensive line. Cause they have Julian Davenport and Jesse Davis starting at tackle right now. And at 26, they add Xavier McKinney. You've mocked that before. What's your projection with those picks allocated for Justin Herbert in year one, he's going to get destroyed. Devonte Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson. Like this is not a, good roster it's going to be a very tough season for him he goes from Oregon who arguably had a top five offensive line in college football last year to the Miami Dolphins with worst receiving core worst offensive line a bad defense like this is I just I would hate to throw Justin Herbert and all the concerns with him the accuracy he doesn't have the fire into a roster like this and have high expectations because I just don't think he pans out yeah right now we have only four guys on the entire roster rate is above average and the four uh, Devontae Parker Kyle Van Noy, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. They just signed, they just added two of those guys. Like it's not good. And so to throw in like one quarterback with just how devoid of talent you are is still not fixing this. And then it's, if you did is one quarterback, you're not fixing his offensive line then. So I do think that going tackle at five or even maybe trading back from five and still going tackle and maybe even doubling up at tackle in the first round could do them a lot more good in the long run than 
you know, just taking a guy and plugging him in there and saying, good luck. I mean, this Dolphins team is so much better if they trade down from five and don't allocate exi- you know, draft picks in the existing class, but future draft picks for 2021. And then just add in the trenches, offensive tackle, maybe add a wide receiver, add to the defense side of all linebacker safety, and then go into 2021 with a top 10 pick or maybe two top 10 picks, depending on who they trade with. And then go get your quarterback because this roster is going to be five times better with the picks you allocate that aren't quarterbacks with the top, you know, six top 70 picks they have. I'm just more and more on board with that idea for the Miami Dolphins this year. Yeah, I we're on the same page there. I just it, it is funny that they've really like, no position. Could you say they're set at besides the one where there might be the best like Jeffrey Okuda might be sitting there on the board for them at five, mm-hmm. you know? And they already have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I would love if they went for a third guy and just said, we're going to have the most dominant cornerback group like of all time. But I'm not sure. I doubt that they will. But it'd be fun to see if they do. All right. Let's finish the Dolphins with this. If they do go quarterback at five, say it's Justin Herbert. What's the best case scenario after that for picks 18, 26, 39 and 56? I think 18, Josh Jones is your best case scenario. The Houston offensive tackle just getting someone to pass protect for Herbert uh, 26. Gosh, I, I think the tackle class will be done by then. Maybe go safety at that point. Someone like Grant Elpit early at 26 could make a lot of sense for them. Um, maybe Patrick Queen sl- slips to there. I doubt it, but I think that would be best case scenario at that point in the first round. Yeah, and so for picks 39 and 56, who are you thinking his names? Because like, I still think they can add value there, especially, I mean, at positions of need when you need the entire roster. I feel like you go, you could go back to offensive tackle at 39, saying Ezra Cleveland slips to 39. I know it's been more likely that he goes in the first round, but I don't know. Maybe you go interior offensive line at Jonah Jackson, Natani Muti at pick 56. I, I think you could really add to the offensive line around too. I think they could be in on the edge class with one of those two, 39, 56. I think they could be in on like a Josh Uchi, a Zach Bond, one of those type of guys. Julian Aquara, Epinesa. Yeah, I like that. 39. Interesting stuff. I mean, I think they are going to go quarterback at five. They might even trade up to make sure they get their guy. And at that point, I mean, regardless of who they pick, Tua is obviously the guy we'd hope for them to pick or prefer in this class after Joe Burrow. But if they do trade up and grab Justin Herbert, just think of the roster this guy's going to be playing on next year. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. it would be very tough. All right, let's move to the AFC West. And we're going to start with the Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this this roster doesn't have a ton of needs. You hear rumors now from Pro Football Talk that they might trade up to go grab Henry Ruggs. Can you imagine if they added Henry Ruggs to this offensive roster? I mean, like, what do you even do at that point? Like that, I, I love that idea. Like, and no one's going to go after the Chiefs saying, "What you don't need wide receiver." It's like, no, they're just trying to be the best football team in the NFL, and that starts with creating mismatches offensively. And like Tyree Kill, Henry Ruggs, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey does exactly that. Yeah, dude, that's the thing. It's it's kind of like when everyone's talking about the Texans and their new wide receiver core. You can you can have you can't have too much speed. Like the one thing that they're not really redundant, just having more of them. Because, I mean, it just almost makes it more difficult to match up with. You can have too many guys who are like big body, can test a catch or possession type wide receivers. The Eagles. <laughs> yes. But I don't think you can have too many guys who are just pure freaks of nature athletically. Man, I, I, so you have pick 32, pick 63, and pick 96 in the first three rounds. At 32, say they don't trade up. Because I think they'd have to trade a ton because they don't have a ton of second round picks. They'd have to tra- trade future round picks, maybe future first, future second round, if they were going to get up high enough to go grab Henry Ruggs. If they stay put at 32, who are some names you like for the Kansas City Chiefs? And do not tell me DeAndre Swift. If I see another <laughs> mock draft that has a running back going to the Kansas City Chiefs, I will lose my mind. But they're a complete roster, even though this is really isn't that complete of a roster. They're just elite at the positions you kind of want to be elite at for the most part. Um, but they do have a massive need at cornerbacks still, I'd say. I mean, they just brought back Rashad Breland, but he only made like four and a half million. The NFL, the rest of the NFL didn't want him. And there's a reason why it's just like not that great. So I think Jalen Johnson would be the dream at 32. I think he's their type of corner. I think Trayvon Tiggs also makes sense schematically for them. If he's there, the Alabama cornerback. Um, so I do think corner is going to be where the best value is. I could see them going linebacker just because their linebackers are so bad. Hitchens, mm-hmm. Anthony Hitchens and Damian, Damian Wilson. But like, 
I don't love Kenneth Murray would probably be the guy you go there. You home linebacker. And I just don't love him in the first round. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and I think they could also, you know, hit off the line. Cesar Ruiz, people are saying he's the Michigan center is getting hyped for the first round. I could see him sneaking in there to the chiefs. Dude, Cesar Ruiz's tape against Alabama late in the season was pretty awesome. Like him going against Raquan Davis and, and picking off stunts and things. I think that was great. But I, so you, you can say this about any team and I almost hate saying it, but like they could trade down because and here's the reason why. Here's the reason why you're going to have to give a lot of money to Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes very soon. If you don't trade Chris Jones, you're going to have to give him a lot of money. Like there's a lot of players on this roster that are going to want big money paychecks soon. And I don't hate the idea of trying to flesh out your roster with more, more players on rookie contracts, trading Mm -hmm. down out of 32 and then maybe attacking into your offensive line and picks 35 through 45 and maybe getting an additional second round pick to continue to add. Cause like a cornerback, I really like for them on day two, Bryce Hall of Virginia, the guy who's coming off with a pretty significant ankle injury, but fits their scheme pretty well. Like this is a team that if they trade down to kind of fill their roster out with more rookie contracts, will make things easier when they have to give Patrick Mahomes and others big money. Yeah. We said that about the uh, Cowboys. Cowboys. And it definitely makes sense for the Chiefs too to start to think about that. It's easy to sort of fall into the trap of, oh, we need that one impact player to get us back to the Super Bowl sort of thing. But I do think that they got a number of holes, like defensively. They're not set. This this wasn't a complete roster by any means that won the Super Bowl. This was talented at the right spots sort of roster. So they could still add, uh, you know, a number of different players in this draft. Jumping to the Denver Broncos in the AFC West. Here's my take. Can, can you believe that what you're hearing about them trading up? Like they're trading up like they have like a window to win with. Like that Drew Locksley proven quarterback. And like we had a receiver, we're going to be able to make a play. Like, dude, this roster is not great. Drew Lock is still very much unproven. I get the idea of wanting to add a speedy wide receiver early so you can recreate that Emmanuel Hall, Drew Lock connection. But like, do not trade up in this deep receiver class when you have a ton of holes elsewhere along the offensive line defensively they can get better specifically at cornerback they're starting Isaac Yadam at cornerback I mean this is a team that does not need to be in the trade-up situations they need to be either in the trade down or stay put in my opinion dude especially if you're trading up for Henry Ruggs like if that's the guy you're trading up for he is you're trading up for a guy who just wasn't flat out wasn't that productive at the college level like yes there's uh, obvious reasons why but sample size and seeing a guy do it is such a big part of any evaluation that, you know, giving up extra, being that sure, that's certain. If you're trading up, you're that certain that the guy's going to be, you know, Tyreek Hill, which is the comp for him that everyone has, even though he's nowhere close to that as like a suddenness from it, like a change of direction aspect. Like Tyreek Hill ran a six, five, three cone. Uh, Henry Ruggs didn't even do it because I don't, he's not that level of athlete. So uh, that to me is just crazy that you would go and do that. Now he is fast. And he is faster than any other wide receiver in this class. But that's really a massive projection to fall in love with at the top of the draft. I mean, so here's my take here. Like they stay put at 15. They are in a position to take one of the better players at like this draft class's positional strengths, whether it's wide receiver, cornerback, or offensive tackle, because they have needs at all those positions. Stay put at 15. If one of your favorite receivers of the big three, say a Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs falls at 15, obviously you take them off the board. Cornerback, you could go after Christian Fulton, CJ Henderson up there at 15, or even at offensive tackle, say a Josh Jones or you know uh, Andrew Thomas falls that far. Like they're in a very good spot to fill a position of need without trading up and then they still have picks 46 77 83 and 95 on day two like i think this denver broncos team is in a very good spot to stay where they are they don't have to trade up to get significantly better in this draft yeah those third rounders are interesting having three third round picks at this point because they they actually have a ton of draft capital they're ranked ninth in terms of just overall draft capital the broncos at this point so I think that's why you see the rumors of trading up though, it's because they don't have a ton, ton of like quote unquote needs. We have them down as cornerback linebacker and wide receivers. They're three biggest needs, but they have five, like I said, five top hundred picks. I would not be surprised if they cough up pick 77, pick 83 to go move up from 15, even if it's, even if it's only a handful of spots and I don't agree with it, but I would not be surprised whatsoever. All right. If they do stay put, give me some names on day two, like after that 15th overall pick, because obviously they're targeting a wide receiver early, if not maybe a cornerback. But after that 15th overall pick, give me some names on day two that makes sense to the Broncos. I think one of the best scheme fits for them at cornerback. And 
again, the good part about being a super zone heavy team is that you're not going to covet what everyone else covets. You're coveting a different cornerback that's usually pushed, pushed down in drafts. You don't have to give up as much draft capital for those guys to fit your scheme. So I do think that, uh, John Reed from Penn State. He's actually, I just saw he's a top 100 player on on uh, DJ's board. Daniel Jeremiah releases 150. He's a top 100 player for him. Top 100 player for us. A little older dude, but a very good zone cornerback in John Reed. So I think in the third round, one of those third round picks could definitely be him. If you don't have PFF's draft guide, I encourage you to get it because John Reed's background is absurd. Like this guy was like an applied data sciences major, like studying tape since he was like in third grade. And like, he's a future PFF analyst. If he does not pan out in the NFL, and he's also a very good athlete. Like I think John Reed mm-hmm. is getting slept on. I could see him go high, going higher than maybe people expect. All right, moving forward in the AFC West, it's not the Oakland Raiders. It is the Las Vegas Raiders of 2020 playing in the death star next year. That black, all black stadium looks awesome. If they could just yeah. complement it with some updated uniforms and give me all black Matt helmets how fire would that be for the las vegas Raiders? they've had these silver helmets for so long give me a matte black helmet with all black unis i feel like that would be pretty fantastic especially because especially because they're playing in a dome now like before it's like you don't want to wear all black outside because it gets hot and like all that stuff but like playing in a dome air control i mean weather controlled dome and you're in all blacks dude it would be looking pretty sweet anyway moving forward here They're in a position at 12 and at 19 to really get better at positions of need that match the strengths of the draft class, wide receiver and cornerback. I could see them going CJ Henderson at 12 and then at 19 wrapping around and maybe grabbing Jalen Rager at 19. I I mean, or they could go wide receiver at 12, like a CD lamb. And then at 19, maybe add Christian Fulton. Like that's, that's the dream scenario in my opinion for this Las Vegas Raiders team is to add a wide receiver and corner at 12 and 19. Yeah, I think, I think 12 ends up being the wide receiver because I think Lamb, Judy, one of them will be on the board still. I fully expect that. And then 19, like I don't think they'd be in on CJ Henderson. I don't think he's a great fit for Paul Gunther's defense. I think they would covet more AJ Terrell, Jalen Johnson, Clemson, AJ Terrell, Utah, Jalen Johnson, LSU, Christian Fulton, that sort of cornerback they would be higher on. So I think they can, uh, they're just in a good position to stand pat and get two real impact players. They have the six most draft capital, even though they don't have a second rounder that they trade away in that Khalil Mack trade. They got three in the third, though, this year. So I'm interested to see if they do stand pat with those third rounders or if they try to make a move and get up a little more to get some more impact guys. I don't think it's super stupid for them to consider trading back and trying adding a second round pick. They are there at 12 and 19. Say they're say the top three receivers are already off the board by 12 because that wouldn't be surprising. That happened in the PFF live mock draft last week where the Raiders weren't able to grab a wide receiver there at 12. Like I could see that potentially happening. I think trading back to add picks on more picks on day two, like a second rounder could make sense for them as well. But let's go to those third round picks, 80, 81 and 91. I've been doing mock drafts on the PFF NFL mock draft simulator and every single time i feel really comfortable about taking jalen hurts with one of those three picks if he does fall to round three i don't know if he will he could go round two whatever but what's your opinion of jalen hurts as a a round three option for this raiders team interesting see i thought after they signed Mariota, they kind of like secure their quarterback room there they're like we're fine like we're high Mariota. maybe it's a reclamation project that'll be what our the sort of like, that'll be who we roll with. If things go down, go South with Carr. we'll give him a shot sort of thing. So uh, I don't think they end up going QB. Cause I think they think they're close sort of thing. Like I think they think they're like a couple guys away. That's why I could see them even trading up from some of those third rounders. Uh, if they don't though, I would imagine they invest some more into, into their interior offensive line because <laughs> Richie incognito is going to be 37 years old this year. Oh man! I did not realize that until I was going through their rosters and being like, yeah, Richie actually seems like he's been in the NFL forever. He's going to be 37. And he was like <laughs> great last year, but I'm not sure how much longer that dude's got in him. So I do think that's a sneaky sort of long-term need. And then obviously cornerback, uh, they could even add linebackers with, you know, the two free agents they signed weren't massive, massive deals that could still be a place they invest in or even defensive tackle. I really like the idea of them using one or even several of those third round picks on into your offensive line, getting better there. Cause Gabe Jackson, I, I'm not sure where he is with his current contract. And then you have Richie incognito a little bit longer in the tooth there. We've talked about the dream scenario, them adding maybe a CD lamb or Jerry Judy at 12 and then 19 Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton, but 
if we remember last year's draft correctly, the Raiders aren't always doing the dream scenario. Sometimes it's curveball. Sometimes it's it's a nightmaric situation with Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram a year ago, completely ignoring facet value and positional value and just going after high character guys. What is that nightmare scenario, a realistic nightmare scenario? I guess it wasn't that realistic last year, though. But regardless, (laughs) a realistic nightmare scenario for the Raiders at 12 and 19. Well, I think if we're saying like, curveball outside the box sort of pick that no one expected coming sort of thing. Like we saw last year, I think you could see if Derek Brown falls to them at 12, I think you'd see them draft Derek Brown. I think you could see them draft Xavier McKinney, even though they already have enough safeties, he fits the sort of personality leadership type of thing that I'm sure comes from a winning program that I'm sure Mayock would covet highly. If we're talking about, Guys who would be just out of left field. No one has mocked any of those guys to them. Curveballs that I could feasibly see happening. I'd probably point to those two. Here's mine. AJ Terrell of Clemson at 12 and yeah. Jordan Love at 19. I've seen that in a couple mocks. I've seen Jordan Love at 19 in a couple mocks, including Evan Silva, who's been one of the more accurate mock drafters of late. I mean, I could see them going after a quarterback at 19 and swinging the bat on Jordan Love. I don't know, because just John Gruden loves his quarterbacks. like, And that could be the situation. I'm not super high on AJ Terrell. I know he's like a special mover in this class, not on par with Akuda and Henderson, but he does have great movement skills. But like some of his tape concerns me, a little inconsistent. So him going at 12 over guys like Christian Fulton, or some of the others in this class, I think would concern me. All right, moving forward here. We're, we're flying through this AFC preview. It's on to the Los Angeles Chargers. They have pick six, pick 37, and pick 71 on days one and two of the 2020 NFL draft. How does this team take the most advantage of pick six? Is it taking a quarterback at six? Is it helping the offensive line that's currently trotting out Sam Tevy and Dan Feeney in starting spots? What's your take here? Yeah, you would love to get an offensive tackle in this draft class. Like you would love to trot out someone that's not Sam Tevy at tackle. Like <laughs> that's what you want. But you also want someone for him to pass protect for that's a legitimate quarterback uh, and hopefully a little step above Tyrod Taylor. I, I do think that I think I've outlined this before, but just with the way they were left stock the NFL for not having any fans, they're moving into a new stadium this year. They don't have a starting quarterback. They need to move jerseys. They need to build up interest trading up, getting a big name like Tua Tagovailoa does that like that moves the needle. Even if he does stink, <laughs> you know, like even if like he comes to your place and like totally busts out or it never plays down because he's hurt. You at least like drum, you at least got the fan base going, got him excited and is like, I think they have to do that. Like, I think that's something that just business wise needs to be done for them. They need someone to get excited about there. So uh, I think that's where they end up going. Like all signs sort of point to that being the case. They signed Brian Balaga in free agency. He's a right tackle. He'd be the blindside protector for a left-hand quarterback. You see what I'm seeing here? Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. I can see it. it. Isn't Terod Taylor left-handed? Are you serious? I think, I don't know. (laughs) Tyrod Taylor's right-handed. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought, I thought not a left-handed quarterback in the NFL right now, I don't think. Oh, oh man. Okay. Well, maybe they are going after Tua Tungawailoa. But what are you making of this? Like, Steve's hearing that the Dolphins are all in on Herber, and it's going to allow Tua to fall to the Chargers at six. Is that you, Do you believe that at all? No. Uh, I, I just – I don't see how you could be all in on Herbert. Now, I do – I think it's possible, but I do think there's something to the fact that the – the Dolphins aren't desperate for a quarterback the way the Chargers are. Like they don't, if they miss out, they're still going to, they get one, they're going to stink this year. If they don't get one, they're still going to stink this year. Like they, they, they don't have that immediate pressing need for it. Whereas the Chargers, like they got a good roster. They, if they don't have good quarterback play, they ruin, you know, they just ruin a good roster. Okay, but say they are able to grab a quarterback at six without trading up. What would be good case, you know, good players to target on with picks 37 and 71? See, you're not going to really fix your tackle problem then. Like, you're going to have to trot out Sam Tevy. You're going to have to trot out somebody you don't really necessarily want to tackle or a rookie who's probably behind the eight ball. Maybe Ben Barch I, is one of the guys I said probably pick 71 would be great value if you get Ben Barch there. I think they could still attack cornerback. If Christian Fulton falls to the second round, he's an ideal fit for them. If they really are intent on keeping Chris Harris solely in the slot, I think Christian Fulton would be great on the outside in that defense. Uh, very similar skill set to a Casey Hayward. Now I'm not putting him as Casey Hayward, but like that's the kind of player he is. So uh, I, I do think that 
that's where I would probably go is right to cornerback because offensive tackle, the guy you're getting at 37, probably not going to be NFL ready. All right, let's jump to the Baltimore Ravens, moving to the AFC North in this AFC preview here. And I think this is a very good Baltimore Ravens roster. Like, I really do like who they have right now at all positions, really. I think there's maybe a weakness at receiver. I mean, they I know they just added Marquise Brown, but I still think you need a receiver that can be this possession type that's like – you know, I always say like, you know, it demands the football demands, not Miles Boykin. Someone who like <laughs> really does demand the football can handle a high volume of targets. I don't think that's Willie Sneed and Marcus Brown. I think you need to bring in maybe a, a better player there, but they have a lot of draft capital pick 28, pick 55, 60, 92 and 106. The last pick of the third round. I, I really do think they can get better, improve an already very good roster with this draft class. Yeah. So I'm almost of the opinion. I know you, said wide receiver and need there. I think with the way this offense goes with what makes it tick, addressing the interior of the offensive line might actually be more impactful than like a possession type of wide receiver. Like, cause they use so many two tight end sets uh, because they are so run heavy. You're now trotting out, you know, without Marshall Yonda in there, your offensive line looks massively, massively different. Ben powers now slot to start a right guard. I mean, he was what, a fourth rounder last year. You could still start him, but Bozeman, and Skura, I mean, they're not great on the interior there. So maybe like a Cesar Ruiz at pick 28, maybe, you know, my dream for them, Natani Muti somewhere in the second or third round would be just an ideal, ideal fit for them. Uh, but I do think they need to get on their interior off the line because that's what drives, that's what fuels the sort of offense, that running game, being able to move the line of scrimmage with that option heavy attack is, you know, paramount to, you know, making it tick. Hear me out. Picks 55 and 60. Natani Muti, Jonah Jackson. Who says no? Who says no? That That's that's the move for me. I like that. But at 28, a, a fit I've really liked is Zach Bond of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Kyle Duggar of Lenore Ryan, or maybe even Josh Uchi at 28 if we are getting on board with this first-round hype for the Michigan edge defender slash off-ball linebacker. Like a versatile, moving chess piece like that at 28. Or Julian Aquara. He can't really – I don't know if you really want to play him at off-ball, but like – this guy, might be 55. Told, yeah, I mean, he told me he told me in an interview he ran a four five three, and then he got it was a little bit of a slower hand time at a four six. Like Julian Aquara is just some special level athlete. I, I think he's another guy that Ravens would take advantage of. Yeah, I I do think edge in the second round makes sense for them, and they've had a good track record of identifying edge talent day two. So I think that's where they end up addressing that. How about linebacker? Chris Board, LJ Fort, probably not cutting it. I, that's why I kind of like the double. Yeah, that's pick. where we keep mocking them in the first round. The the Zach Bond. I, I could even see Uchi moving off ball in their scheme. And then, like I said, the Duggar, just someone explosive in that linebacking core with how much they blitz and the way they use them makes yeah. sense because they got no talent there right now. All right, jumping to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one should be quick. They don't have a first round pick. Their first pick of the draft is pick 49 in the second round. And then they have a third round pick, pick 102 late in the third round. I mean, they're 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 not going to get that much better with this draft class. What's an ideal scenario for them at pick 49? Yeah, they have the least amount of draft capital of any team in the NFL right now. Um, I, I wonder if they do because of that, if they're a team that could mortgage some future draft capital with the window that they have here with Ben Roethlisberger. That's not a bad show. I wonder if they're a team that, you know, caught, they're at pick 49. When if they see see someone like, uh, I really don't know what would make move the needle the biggest on this roster. Maybe another interior player, nose tackle to replace Javon Hargrave, interior offensive line possibly as well. Maybe a speed wide receiver. But they don't have one glaring sort of pain point that they go have to go out and address, which is an interesting place to be and you can kind of just go best player available. The guy I keep saying makes a lot of sense though. If you're going to replace Javon Hargrave, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma, really similar skill set. Get off. Fantastic. Uh, you know, can push the pocket on the interior, a little bit of an undersized nose tackle, but I think you could still hang there in the NFL. If that's what you're looking to do, I think he fits in with that defensive interior. Could he not be there at 49? I feel like they don't necessarily have. Yeah, I think he could be there at 49. That would be a a very good pick. I mean, inside the top 50, grab Neville Gallimore of Oklahoma. At pick 102, maybe target interior offensive line, try Mm -hmm. and find the best available guy there. That's what the fit I like is they love big dudes. So Damian Williams, (laughs) Damian Lewis, LSU guys still on the board. They love those like people moving guards. Uh, I, I, I don't think he'll be on the board. I think Michael Onwenu from Michigan might be on the board. He was a beer belly of the week segment winner back mm-hmm. in the day. 
uh, I think our very first one, 350 ish pounds or so. I think it was actually three, four at the combine, but I think he could slot in at guard for them as well. All right. Jumping to the Cleveland Browns. This team needs to get better. I mean, they, they can't, they have a window with Baker Mayfield who they think can be a competent quarterback in the NFL who had a bit of a down year this past year, but we're confident in him bouncing back. What do they need to do with picks 10, 41, 74 and 97 to put this team in a better position to pursue the playoffs and, and try and make a run with Baker Mayfield? Yeah. So 10 tackle, uh, just tackle makes too much sense there. They're obviously a team that's been rumored to be trading down rumored to be connected with Ezra Cleveland, man, I'm not sure that's going to fix the left tackle position right out the gate for them in Cleveland. But I, I do think that he is, if you're talking about projects at the tackle position outside of the top group, I, I don't hate him as a project because of the athleticism he brings to the table. And now he's, I, I think you're going to be a little, uh, you know, upset or you're a little disappointed. If you expect him to come in, you trade down from expect him to come in right away and be a massive upgrade over what they had last year. But I do think that in time, maybe he could justify a first round selection. But I do think tackle just has to be the pick out the gate because you're not going to get impact after that. Man, I mean, they're in a really good spot, like similar to the, you know, the New York Jets who pick right after them to get uh-huh. one of the better offensive tackles in this class. I think staying put, not just coveting Ezra Cleveland's athleticism, go get like a very capable, productive offensive tackle like Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wurst, Jedrick Wills there at 10. How about day two? Picks 41, 74, and 97. What other needs could they address there? Cornerback, I think, is a need opposite of Denzel Ward. They can get better at off-ball linebacker. Miles Garrett, you don't know how long he'll be playing. He could swing another helmet you don't know I, I feel like defensively I think that's where I feel for them for day two yeah I think linebacker would make sense um, even they could go back to the well at off the line as well uh, at I think they're all right at safety they could use maybe a nickel corner type uh, and that would be you know an Amik Robertson would make a lot of sense for them in the third I think 74 is 97 but the, I would love if they got Willie Gay at 41 that, that, they have Mac Wilson in there be the fifth rounder like that's not you can still upgrade there and he wasn't great as a rookie by any means. So I do think that that would be the position where maybe the value makes the most sense at 41. What about Ross Blacklock at 41? Yeah. The TCU, I think they need some, some, some juice on the interior offensive line. They have Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, but you send in Ross Blacklock at 41. I've seen that mocked a couple of times. Yeah. I wonder, this will be an interesting draft to see where the Browns go in terms of analytically. Like we would say, obviously the positional value of defense tackle, probably not bang for your buck at 41, but I mean, past the biggest sort of problem I had with Sashi Brown's drafting was that he really skewed positional value. Like he was drafting safeties and tight ends in the first round and not necessarily you know, the, I think he drafted like one cornerback in his whole tenure and it was in the fifth or sixth Man. round. Like they just didn't allocate a lot of draft capital to that position that now Dorsey changed that and obviously drafted Denzel Ward and then Greedy Williams in back-to-back years. But I still think that that's, that's kind of the biggest unrealized uh, draft sort of uh, way you can make money back is sort of the draft inefficiency is that people aren't targeting those valuable positions. All right, moving to the Cincinnati Bengals. Round one, pick one. The pick is Joe Burrow. There's no other question about it. Like you just, yeah. there's no point even talking about it anymore. Let's jump to day two, picks 33 and 65. This team, similar to Miami Dolphins, needs help across the board. They need help at linebacker. They need help in the secondary. Offensive line is atrocious. Billy Price has not panned out since going in the first round of the 2018 draft. And Jonah Williams coming back from injury. You don't know where he's going to be now. Like, I mean, this team needs help across the board. Yes, right now we don't have a single one of their offensive linemen listed at even average. Everyone is below average, poor in Billy Price's case, and then obviously Jonah Williams listed as incomplete because we haven't seen him play down. So, dude, they need help there. And so it's going to be Joe Burrow at one. But then I keep saying bang bang the table for trades and allocating more draft capital that they can find to that offensive line interior you just got to shore it up you can't have massive holes there pass protecting for joe burrow so i don't think the tackle value is going to be great at 33 you're not going to be able to get like a starter you might be stuck with bobby hart next year but you could upgrade your interior for sure in terms of guys who can impact the team right away and start for you and be upgrades 
And that first pick of the uh, the second round is normally a, it can be a hotly contested trade up opportunity or trade down opportunity for the Cincinnati Bengals in this case. And trading down and attacking interior offensive line could be a good move for the Cincinnati Bengals because Billy Price and Trey Hopkins had a good year last year, but still not one of the better centers in the NFL. And Xavier Suofilo, I mean, you just need to make upgrades at those positions, and I think you could do that if you trade down a bit. All right. Moving forward here, we're flying through the AFC. We're down to the AFC South now, starting with the Houston Texans. They're not in a position with a ton of draft capital in this class, but the Houston Texans still in this window with Deshaun Watson and the speedy receiving core now to try and go chase a ring, try and go chase a deep postseason run. Is there something they can do in this draft to kind of aid that? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like they just they don't have enough. They, they don't have enough to get it done at the moment. They just have was the pick forty is their only pick in the second round. Um, they traded away fifty seven. Uh, I think cornerback would be where the best bang for your buck would be at that point. Maybe defensive interior, like possibly if you get like a because it's a massive need. They're throwing out Timmy Jernigan and Angelo Blackson right now in the interior. Someone like a Justin Matabuki, like uh, Ross Blacklock there at 40 would make a lot of sense. Uh, or a cornerback, if Jeff Gladney's on the board, uh, something like that would be like some guy that can upgrade right away because, man, they got holes along that defense. Uh, but I do think the offense is actually, they did a really good job of sort of getting this offensive line. Now, they have two first-round picks to do it, but getting the offensive line back to a, or to a level that Deshaun Watson can play behind. I, I still feel like this defense is in a very bad spot. I mean, I, offensively, you just got to throw up a ton of points. And you saw them get into a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs and completely crumble it away. But, like, still, they're capable of putting up points. It's this defense that scares me. They lost DJ Reader this offseason. They're trying out Angelo Blackson and Timmy Jernigan along the interior defensive line. Cornerback is a, is a concern. Bradley Roby, Garyon Conley, Lonnie Johnson. I, again, I think I really like for picks 40 and 57, d- double dip at cornerback. I don't really care. Go grab Jeff Glass. And maybe another cornerback as well, because I think you need to stop the pass to win in today's NFL. And I just don't know if this Texas defense can do it, even with J.J. Watt at edge. Yeah, so they have a lot of options. None of them are good, though. They're kind of in that that no man's land that the Eagles were the past couple of years, where it's like you got names that you just drafted kind of highly. You got this guy in Gary on Connolly who's a first rounder. Vernon Hargraves is a first rounder. Lonnie Johnson, a second rounder. Bradley Jerobi was first rounder. Like they have a lot of guys who are highly drafted guys who just never quite lived up to it and still haven't lived up to it that they're kind of just banking on. This is the year the light switch flips sort of thing. And I, I would not bank on the light switch flipping for any of those guys. Like that's too far. They're too all too far gone at this point. You're not too far gone, but like it is so deep into their careers that I think you got to go back to the well. All right, moving to the Tennessee Titans. This is, in my opinion, a very good roster, offensively and defensively. I have question marks about Ryan Tannehill. You're going to see, I guarantee it, you're going to see some level of regression in 2020. He's not going to be the same quarterback he was a year ago. Like He's going to regress in some ways, a little bit closer to the mean. But regardless of that, good receiving core, A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis. Defensively, they have some pieces. Adoree Jackson, Kevin Bayard picks 29, 61, and 93. Where do the Titans go? That's tough, man. They're one of the toughest teams to project because like you said, it's a good roster. There's not one position where you point at and you say, oh, they got to go there. I think Edge, you know, someone outside of Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, they paid him an all right chunk of change, but we've seen enough from him by now to know that he's not that good. Even the year he had 17 sacks, he wasn't that good. He's just never been a consistently productive pass rusher. So I think that's where they could go. Um, they could be one of the guys who sneaks an edge in the first round. Maybe AJ Epinesa, something like that uh, would make sense for them. But I can't really make heads or tails of you know where John Robinson's going to go with this Tennessee Titans roster. I, I, I see maybe cornerback. I mean, Noah Benogany is a guy we've talked about as a fit potentially for them. Yes, they have Adore Jackson. Malcolm Butler got toasted a handful of times this past year, also a little bit older. I think they could add a safety opposite of Kevin Byard. I think defensively, like you said, edge, maybe inside linebacker. I don't know. I, I think, again, defensively is where I turn. How do you feel about the offensive line? Taylor Luan and Dennis Kelly at tackle positions, Roger Saffold, Nate Davis at guards. Do you think they need help there? Maybe it picks 61, 93? Yeah, so they give Dennis Kelly, like, was it seven mil a year, which is not really starting tackle money. It's that swing backup tackle money that you can think can start in a pinch. But I mean, I, I don't think that 
the 29th overall pick though is going to necessarily be a better starter than be a better option right out the gate than Dennis Kelly. Now it's a kind of a, it's a need in the long term, but I think if you're you know playing for the here and now, which they just went to the AFC title game, I think that's not the worst idea in the world. You might go elsewhere, a guy who can make a bigger impact, or they could be a potential to trade up from 29 and go get an offense tackle. If you see a guy sliding in the first round, if someone like a, if they do really love an Austin Jackson or something like that, they could see, I could see them moving up to target a right tackle. It's just if they think one can actually start for them right away. All right, let's pivot to the Indianapolis Colts. They do not have a first round pick. They traded the 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner. They do how do however have picks in the second and third round 34, 44 and 75. I think they can get better at key positions of need at picks 34 and 44, specifically at wide receiver. I don't hate double dipping. I know you spent, I think it was a second rounder on Paris Campbell a year ago, but he's just not it. He's not going to be a guy that's a difference maker opposite of T.Y. Hilton. I think double dipping at wide receiver, potentially a Michael Pittman, T. Higgins combination. I don't know. I, I like the idea of them just really adding playmakers for Phillip Rivers to kind of take advantage of that small window you have with him under center. Yeah, one of my favorite things, so their draft allocation. I've loved looking at their draft allocation because it's all edge linebacker, cornerback safety are three of their four highest invested positions or four of their five highest invested positions. The only offensive position they've invested at more than those is interior off the line, obviously the Quentin Nelson pick, but they've invested a lot of guys at linebacker, corner safety, kind of the back end of their defense, getting some speed. And I think they're fairly set there in terms of, you know, how many options they have. I think this one will be, wide receiver. I think 34 just makes too much sense, whether it's T Higgins, Michael Pittman, just someone that offers something different. And the Colts are kind of all in. I mean, they got Philip Rivers for one year. They gave up a first round pick to pay a guy right now, which is a telltale sign of a team that's all in. So I wouldn't even be surprised if, you know, Chris Ballard never trades up, but maybe this is the year he says, this is our guy that we need and that we're missing at the wide receiver position. They still, and I know they ex- added Xavier Rhodes. They spent a high draft pick on Rocky Sin from the previous class, but I still think they need help in the secondary. Could you see picks 44, 75 potentially go in the secondary or do they go elsewhere? They could. I mean, they didn't need linebacker last year and they went Bobby Okariki in the third. Like they, they're not will. They're not Ballard's not unwilling. How am I trying to say this? He's not unwilling to keep going back to the well at the same position. Like he's, I don't think, think he, he has shown long-term sort of foresight to not be playing for the here and now over the past handful of drafts. So I do think that's feasible. All right, let's jump. Last team of the AFC preview. It's Gardner Minshew's Jacksonville Jaguars. There's been some some stir about them potentially addressing the quarterback position at pick nine or 20, say at Tua my Loa Falls. Maybe they really like Jordan Love. Are you buying any of that? Or are they all in on Gardner Minshew? They, I don't think they're all in on Gardner Minshew. I think they realize that this team stinks though right now on paper. It's bad. Like I've never seen, man, like this is such a lame duck sort of year for Doug Marone, uh, Dave Caldwell. Like they, they, they're really not set up to succeed. Like they went six and 10 last year, traded away some of the, like two of their better, their best players. I I don't know what they think is going to happen this year. So I think with how many guys they've flipped for draft picks, they realize that this is a rebuild now again, again in Jacksonville, unfortunately, but that they have to hit reset and they're not going to be. And when you are in a reset sort of mode, you don't have to, you don't have to shoot your wide early and go to the quarterback position. You can afford to just accumulate more players and more talent, as much talent as you can cheaply. And then maybe in the future, you'll be able to hit your, you know, quarterback. Do you think Leonard Fournette has any trade value? And what would you be willing to trade for him? Can you believe that they're no. trying to trade it? Like, what would you trade for Leonard Fournette? I can believe they're trying to trade him because he's overpaid. <laughs> like, that's why the rookie contract, the top five running back, if he's not a very good running back, you're way overpaying for him. So, you know, sub four point yards per carry for his career is not good. I can't think so. of a situation where a team trades for him and doesn't make their offense worse. Like, feeding Leonard Fournette, 
15 to 20 carries per game is not, it's not the way to go. Like, th- cause if you do trade for him and you do make him your starting back and you start to kind of give him the rock at, at that volume, I mean, come on, like you're not going to recoup that value with Leonard Fournette, just chunking his way up the middle. I know he broke off some gains this past year, also got involved in the passing game more than you probably expected going into the year, but still like I'm not trading any of my draft capital, any of my players for Leonard Fournette. All right, like give me, so let's leave with this, finish the podcast with this, the dream scenario for the Jacksonville Jaguars at nine and 20. I think the dream at nine would be Isaiah Simmons falling to them. It's feasible that he would. Uh, I think that's the dream. I, I texted Tony Khan and said, draft wide receiver, draft Jerry Judy there. I don't think they probably will, but to me, I think that's your best value that you could feasibly get on the board at nine. And then at 20, 20 is the one I struggle with. Um, what they're going to do and what they could do. I really go back and forth. I, I think adding more cornerback help, adding a Jalen Johnson and AJ Terrell would, it's just, again, a value position, talented player. I think that's where I'd go if I were them. So All right. my final answer was Isaiah Simmons and I'll say Jalen Johnson. Isaiah Simmons, even with Miles Jack and Joe Schobert there, or do you think he find, play more at safety or kind of like to set positionless defense type of thing? Yeah, I think he'd be your box. Ronnie Harris, what they want Ronnie Harris to be. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the AFC preview. That was a long one, Mike, but it was was a ton of fun. We're going to do NFC tomorrow, mailbag on Wednesday, and we're also going to start giving out the Edge monthly subscriptions, the free Edge monthly subscriptions on Wednesday. All you have to do to enter that contest is send a review, screenshot it with your favorite player, your favorite player in this draft, and then email me that review, that screenshot at austin.gale, G-A-Y-L-E, at pff.com. That's all you have to do. Until tomorrow, Mike, um, thanks for listening. All that good stuff. And uh, this is Austin Gale, Mike Renner on 2 for 1 Drafts. 